guys. Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. This week, we are sponsored by Volcano Coffee, an independent South London coffee roaster launched in 2010. The founder's from New Zealand and wanted to bring the great tasting coffees he had growing up to the UK while supporting the livelihoods of the communities who grow and support it. All the coffees are hand roasted, so you can get beans, ground coffee, and pods, and they're available to buy online and in coffee shops. This delicious coffee is served in the best independent cafes and restaurants across the UK, including River Cafe, Claridge's, and Nobu. Coffee is ethically sourced. Farmers are actually paid over double fair trade, and it's a carbon neutral company in the process of becoming a B Corp. It's the first specialty coffee brand to launch biodegradable pods in the UK, and they are a two-time Great Taste Award winner. And we can vouch for it because we have both tried and it's absolutely delicious, although I think Barry being the ultimate coffee fiend. Yeah, as a coffee connoisseur, I can (laughs) honestly say that it is delicious. And I have just put it in my um, bean to cup machine and the beans are fire. And I literally love the fact that it is the first coffee brand to launch biodegradable pods. I think that's incredible. Absolutely. So if you guys want to try Volcano Coffee, then head to their website and use code FORKINGWELLNESS20 in all capitals and get 20% off your order. Hi guys, welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. Today is such a special episode. Um, Sophie is going to share her journey with her relationship with food all the way from the beginning. Just letting everyone know this is definitely a trigger warning for anyone who might be struggling with their relationship with food. If you are recovering from an eating disorder or you in the depths of an eating disorder, this episode may not be for you, but for everyone else, let's get into it. Yeah, um, I do just want to say as well, even though I'm a health professional, this episode is in no way me giving advice to those who have an eating disorder. It's more just me telling my story and letting people know that the reason I'm sharing is because I recently announced my pregnancy and so many people were kind of not prying, but like questioning, you know, how I've, I've always been very open in the sense I've had a disordered relationship with food I've never said like full-on that I had an eating disorder so a lot of people like oh you know it opened up a lot of questions because people were like I'm trying to get pregnant and I can't and I've like I haven't got my period and I'm I'm also want to share this so people have hope and know that they can get to a place where they're healthy and you know have babies and live their life without an eating disorder I completely agree I think it's great it's very inspirational and inspirational to anyone who is struggling and wants that in is there a reason that you shied away from talking about it and you kind of always just said you had a disordered relationship with food versus you know I had an eating disorder yeah because I went into my career I think I decided I wanted to be a nutritionist when I was around 22 and I still I didn't I didn't have an eating disorder at that point but I did still have a disordered relationship with food And I wanted to, I didn't want to use my page as, oh, look, I've had an eating disorder and this is my recovery journey. I wanted to share my 
career journey and you know education and qualifications and I wanted to make sure I was in a really strong position career-wise before I shared that and I'm also very aware of the fact that I am in a smaller body and I don't know I just felt like it wasn't the right time and I felt like I needed more under my belt before I was like okay actually this is my journey and it feels long enough ago now that I can Mm -hmm. speak about it really openly. Yeah I think that's great and it is interesting that you know so many people in our industry started their Instagram page almost as like a journey of their um, relationship with food and that you chose not to do that and come from it from a, a professional angle I think that's really interesting when you could have done the opposite um shall we get right into it like how old well I guess I'm always interested in was there any moment that like someone said something or you learned something that you thought kind of sparked that trigger where you became uh, aware of your body or how to restrict or what do you know what I'm trying to say like was there any like comment or something that you learned in school or anything like that that kind of like set it all off there really wasn't but I when I look back it was definitely not drilled into me but there were kind of messages from my parents that they never ever meant it in a way that like you know you need to be slim but we do come from a slim gene pool so their view not so much my mum actually but more my dad's side of the family their view is if you're overweight it's because you eat too much so that's what I grew up believing and I had (laughs) the fussiest eating habits you could ever possibly imagine growing up like I just I never had an interest in food I just didn't have a very diverse palate all I would eat was like basically carbs marmite on toast cheese on toast bread chips breadsticks chicken and then the odd vegetables that my mum would serve me Um, and then when I got to the age of 14 I grew up or we grew up in that time where like the very skinny what do they call it like heroin chic or something awful like that yeah <laughs> basically like curves were not acceptable ribs out were really attractive collarbones just skinny thigh gap that was like you know when you, I remember watching the hills as well and the intro was like Lauren Conrad working behind the scenes of a fashion show and I just always remember that girl with her ribs out and that was supposed to be normal and like deemed beautiful and I used to watch this modelling programme just for fun because it was entertaining. Which one? Um, America's Next Top Model. <laughs> loved. I loved, loved it. And it's actually got a lot better over time. But back in the day, like there's like 24 seasons now. But back in the day when it was like the early seasons, they were very much, you have to be skinny to be on the show. And they're not like that anymore. But that was the case at the time. And some of the girls, they would live in the same house together. And some of the girls were engaging in disordered habits um, slash behaviours in order to lose weight. And even if that hadn't have been the point for me that kind of made me look at my body differently, I do believe it would have happened further down the line. I just Mm -hmm. think that it couldn't have been that easy. Do you know what I mean? Because you could have been watching the same programme and would not have thought anything of it. Yeah, and I did, like, I, I haven't watched, honestly, since I was probably in high school, um, but I do remember watching it, but it's interesting, because I watched those programs, and I never remember picking up on any of the mm, disordered eating exactly. stuff, where, like, I actually can't recall, like, I can remember the faces of girls in different seasons I watch, but I can't remember any of that that you're talking about, so it, it is really interesting that you were predisposed through mm. whatever things, and 
you know, you you fixated or picked up on those moments where to me I was just oblivious. Yeah, exactly. So I I don't even remember thinking, oh my god, I need to lose weight. It was more like, okay, well let you know, let's try it. Let's see what the fuss is about kind of thing. And so, what was your body like at then? Like were you, were was your body changing? Like did you recently go through a growth spurt? Like was there anything that was you were self-conscious of? It was just kind of normal and I'd never really looked at my body in that way anyway. I had I think my boobs were like 32C or something, 32B or C, like super like average um, for my age. I was kind of curvy. I've got a small waist. My mum's very kind of small waist, bigger hips. And, you know, I had curves. But again, like there wasn't anything about my body at the time that I was like, I'm really unsatisfied with the way I look right now. But the more I engaged in these behaviours and the more I started weighing myself and checking my body in the mirror every day, the more obsessed I became. And I remember so clearly, I've always really liked my legs because they're really long. And like from such a young age, my dad's always been, oh, you've got such long legs. Like everyone's always just said how nice and long my legs are. So that's just always been a feature that I really liked. And as I got more and more deep into these disordered eating behaviours and habits and thoughts, I remember thinking I don't even like my legs anymore. And I was like, what is going on? So... Yeah, from the ages of 14 to 17, I basically pursued weight loss all that time. And it actually took me a while. But once I got to the age of 17, I don't know what happened or if I got good at having an eating disorder. But all the weight just dropped off. Like it became very apparent very quickly to everyone around me that something was wrong. So you started at 14, kind of changing your eating habits, 14 to 17. It was quite Mm -hmm. like but nothing really changed in your body too much and then at 17 it kind of I think like the weight loss was quicker yeah so 14 15 16 because I started to restrict so much I would then binge to compensate so I wasn't really losing weight I was just engaging in such unhealthy eating um, eating habits and I just remember weighing myself all the time and I was like "I'm, I'm literally doing all this stuff that's I know is so bad for my body as well and I'm not even losing any weight. So I feel like I kind of ramped it up a bit, which sounds really awful to say. And again, mm. trigger warning. Um, but I really kind of, I was like, I'm going to throw my all into this if I'm going to achieve the amount of weight loss I want to achieve. Um, and so yeah, I, I just started restricting. So I know from like our previous chats about this, like you never actually calorie counted. Um, never. So you were never like interested in like the calories so when you say you restricted like what kind of things did you cut out or what did you think that you had to cut out I think because I didn't eat a lot of food in terms of variety it made it easier for me to cut down on the the types of food I was eating because I didn't eat that much in terms of the variety that I was eating so again sorry trigger warning this is just my experience but I would there were days where I would just have a smoothie and I didn't just go from eating normally to then having a smoothie every day I cut it down gradually but I would just cut out breakfast first of all because that was the easiest thing I'd literally just get up later and then go straight to school um I remember having the little three pack of custard creams at school to keep me going um and then I would have dinner when I got home because there was no avoiding dinner because we'd eat as a family I'm like one of four um and then then I went to college at the age of 16, 17, 
and again I would just go the whole day without eating so I could get away with it because my mum wouldn't be watching me and then I'd have dinner when I got home but then I started to binge sometimes in the evenings and then I'd purge because I was like I'm not going to lose weight if I'm binging so again just so many disordered eating behaviors going on I like think it's amazing that you're sharing this so like a lot of this is like the first I like knew a lot of it but for me mm-hmm. like it is kind of like the first time that I'm hearing um some of the details as well so sorry if my questions are um like coming at you quickly. I'm an open book it's fine <laughs> <laughs> did you have at that point like was there any like fear foods that, like so I guess it sounds like it wasn't necessarily you know the calories it was just like an overall cutting down of food Mm. so it wasn't like you were cutting it does sounds like you weren't cutting out certain food groups but you were just cutting out what you could to just consume less quantity wise yeah I mean did you have fear foods at that time I don't remember having fear foods it was just food in general was a fear but I remember I would always like if we had a Sunday roast I'd always eat my veg first because I was like I knew that was kind of healthy and that had nutrients in it so I was like okay let's get the veg in me and then I'll try and like disguise the rest of my plate (laughs) like I haven't eaten too many carbs or whatever. And then when you said you binge were there any foods that you like gravitated towards like that you felt because you restricted or it was like whatever you can get your hands on? It was literally wherever I could get my hands on and looking back I just didn't even enjoy the food it was literally my body being out of control because I was being so restrictive and actually at the age of 15 I some of my friends actually forced me to tell my mum what was going on so I did um and she bless her thought she was helping and and it did help at the time but she would buy me all these like low calorie snacks because she thought that my weight was really important to me so, uh, so we'd have this cupboard of like low calorie crisp packets and there'd just be abundance of them so I, I would binge on them because I felt like she wouldn't notice how many were missing so it wasn't even like a nice piece of cake or something it was literally just anything I could get my hands on yeah because your your body was just in that complete state of deprivation at that time mm-hmm. I was interesting that you said that um your friends forced you to tell your mom so like I guess that was when you were 15 so prior to that was was any of it noticeable? Did anyone kind of pick up on it? Um, I guess your friends did. My friends did. And they, like I said, forced me. They basically said, if you don't tell her, we will. So I, and my sister, I, I told my sister, bless her. And she told my mum for me because I just, it was such a difficult thing for me to do. So my mum took me to see a therapist every week. And I kind of lied to her and said I'd recovered and made so her believe that everything was fine. How old were you at this point? I think I was 15, almost 16. So had your weight changed at this point? Not really, to be honest. So this was just like engaging in kind of like binge restrict behaviors. Your friends mm-hmm. noticed it. You told your sister, your sister told your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but And then you went to go see a therapist. But at this point, nothing really no. kind of in like no one would look at you and think that oh, no. she's eating disorder. It was like no. binge restrict at this point. Mm-hmm. So when you went to the therapist, you basically lied yeah and I just I was pretending to recover because in my head I was like I'm not done with this like I haven't got to where I want to be yet and I did it's not like I had a goal weight in mind but I just I I knew I wanted to lose more weight so um yeah like I said by the age of 17 it was just so noticeable and I went on a girl's holiday to Zante um and I genuinely 
didn't eat anything all week and on the last day I had a bowl of special K cereal because I could not get out of bed like my body was like you just literally have no energy left to burn um and I just remember like shaking and my friend had to get me a bowl of cereal um and I remember being on the phone to my mum she you know she she wasn't stupid she knew that something was going on but it's so difficult for a parent like what do you do so I remember being on the phone to her and I was like I've just had cheesy chips (laughs) like it's the biggest lie ever and I just thought she would believe me. And looking back, like, of course, she didn't believe me. I was, like, so underweight at the time. Of course, I hadn't just eaten cheesy chips. So was that the first time you felt, like, when you were on the holiday with your friends, was that the first time you felt, like, physically, like, you had that, like, physical, like, I can't move. I I don't have any energy. Or was there any other point where you, like, what am I doing? Like, I, I can't even, like, walk. Interestingly, no, that that was the first time that, and I think it's because I'd been out drinking most nights as well. So I was literally, like, going off of, the alcohol adrenaline um but yeah I and I feel like my experience was different like everyone's eating disorder is so different but I a lot of people shy away from social activities they don't want to go out because there's food and drink involved I wanted to be out as much as I possibly could and I think that was because I didn't want to be home thinking about what I was doing and I had never suffered with anxiety until after I recovered and I think if I'd had anxiety whilst I was suffering it would have been very different and maybe my body would have recognized that I wasn't doing so good but somehow the endorphins that were being created off of this high I was on from not eating just kept me going yeah that's so interesting when you looked in the mirror at that point did you think it like were you happy with the way you looked like did you have any like body dysmorphia being like oh my god I don't like did you see what everyone else saw 100% suffered with body dysmorphia and I remember thinking I remember I was walking down the strip in Zante on that holiday and so like people would literally be like oh my god look at that girl she's so skinny and my friend would be like can you hear them talking about you and I I don't know why it didn't register in my brain and even when I was stepping on the scales and I was seeing this like impossibly low number and it still wasn't registering in my brain how much weight I was losing. I kept wanting to lose more. I was like, that's not good enough. And I convinced myself that I had this type of body that didn't show how much weight I was losing. And I always looked bigger than I should have done. And I remember thinking, I so wish I could just look in the mirror and see what people are apparently seeing. Because I, I genuinely looked in the mirror and just saw fat. That's so interesting. The brain is so interesting in the way that it sees what you want to see or what you don't want to see you know the disorder takes over and really hijacks your brain and your conceptualizing and your understanding and just like the processing pathways that when you look in the mirror you saw one thing and everyone else and you you heard what everyone was saying yet you couldn't internalize it because when you looked Mm. in the mirror it didn't match what everyone was saying yeah and I it was only when I started to recover that I could look back on photos and actually be like oh okay my arms look quite thin or my hair was awful my hair was like rat tails (laughs) it was so poorly nourished (laughs) oh and like if any of your friends kind of like or engaged in the behaviors that you did would you pick up on it being like oh you shouldn't do that or was it kind of like join me or like it was not even a question. It was like you were in your own world, tunnel vision. You weren't paying attention to anyone else. Literally, like all my friends were my competition. Like 
I and I used to look at them and be like why can you eat normally and stay thin and I have to do all this restriction in order to lose weight and yeah like I said I just saw everyone as my competition I wanted to be the skinniest one in the group skinniest one in the room skinniest one at school skinniest one in the club (laughs) and so what happened when you came back from that holiday I remember my mum and sister picking me up at the airport and just both of their faces were like oh my god like what do you look like (laughs) I just must have looked so ill um and I came back in I think it was July and then over those few months just continued to lose weight and then in November my mum would try and have conversations with me as well and I remember coming home from uh, my boyfriend's house at the time and I was in like this little tank top and she was like, Sophie, you know, you look, you look like you lost a bit of weight recently. I was like, oh, I'm just about to make myself some toast. And I'd literally like make myself a piece of toast on the spot to like cover myself again, stupidly thinking that she'd like fall for it. Um, and then, yeah, in the November, my mum and dad came into my room um, on a Sunday night and it was boiling because... I had the radiator on. I had like three dressing gowns on because I was so cold. And they walked into the room and my dad was like, oh, my God, Sophie, like it is literally like a sauna in here. I was like, I'm like, I'm fine. Um, And they basically both sat down with me and was like, look, we really can't stand by and do, you know, do nothing anymore. We've actually booked for you to see a specialist. Like my dad was like, you know, we're guessing you've dropped below this weight. I won't say the weight that it was. Um. And we want you to see a specialist. And I, of course, like went crazy. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, get out of my room. Um, so on the Wednesday, my mum drove me up to London to see the specialist. Like, I did not talk to her the whole way. Um, and then I sat in front of this specialist. And she was like, okay. I genuinely thought I would go back to what happened at the age of 15. And she'd be like, okay, like weekly sessions. Um, and she was like, okay, well, it's very, very clear that, you know, Sophie's lost a lot of weight. And I remember thinking, like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you saying that and I I, honestly I was like how can she sit there and say that she thinks I look underweight like it's so stupid because again I was weighing myself so I knew how underweight I was was this specialist like a psychotherapist or um she was an eating disorder specialist she was yeah I think she was a psychotherapist and she literally this was on the Wednesday and she said okay we're gonna have to get her into inpatient as soon as possible and I literally like just felt like my whole world was like, oh my god, what the hell is is going on? It was so unexpected. Were you still super resistant to like the idea that you had an eating disorder at yeah. this point, or you you knew you did, and you just thought you hadn't succeeded far enough in it, or you hadn't you didn't think that that diagnosis was fair? I didn't think I'd got further down the line, so I didn't think the diagnosis was fair at that point. So you knew that you were restrict like you knew what you were doing was wrong but you didn't think it was bad enough yeah okay so you thought you can just like I'm just trying to like understand I I think I like can't imagine what you must have felt like at that point but it almost sounds like it wasn't even you like the way you describe the what your thought patterns were at that time Mm -hmm. like I don't know maybe because I just know you since you recovered yeah but I just can't I just can't picture that version it, of you it's is that actually weird re- no because it, it's actually really interesting for me to be in the headspace I'm in now and to look back on the person I was and know what my headspace was 
but I just feel like a completely different person now. I can't explain it. It's just really interesting for me to have experienced two different, such different headspace. Yeah, because I do think that when, you know, we know the science of when you are underweight to a certain point, your brain and your cognition really does suffer and Mm -hmm. your brain can actually shrink and kind of like your thought processes are really affected. So you can't really see the bigger picture and things. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, it sounds like you were just very tunnel vision on your weight loss journey that you couldn't see what other people were seeing. And my whole world was this weight loss journey which is so sad and I always got like I was always that girl that got a B and everything at school so like I didn't get an A and everything I always felt like I was kind of good but average so I felt like I was really excelling at this eating disorder which sounds so sad but that's just how I felt I was like I love being the one that everyone looks at thinking oh she's really skinny I remember being yes yeah sorry I was gonna say I remember being out in a club one night and these girls from I ran into these girls from school and they were like, Sophie, like you look so skinny. And I just remember being like, Thank you. Yeah, I was like, okay, people are noticing. I think that is such a common theme, especially when I was working with patients who are recovering from eating disorders, of having that need that they couldn't they needed to succeed in something and you know, they weren't the best student or they weren't the fastest runner, but they could be the skinniest. And I remember um my mom, when she suffered, she always said that everything in her life at the time was out of control. And the one thing that she could control was the number on the scale. And so it sounds like you just, that was your level of control. You could be that person, um, which now we know, you know, you can be anyone you want. Um, (laughs) And there's other things that, you know, we're all unique and you're always going to be the best at something. Um, so you mentioned, sorry, I I find this part interesting. You mentioned before that you had a boyfriend at this time. Mm -hmm. Did he play a role in any of this? Yeah. So I met him actually in the April and then in the November was when I was told I had to go into inpatient. So for the first literally six months of our relationship, I don't think he ever saw me eat. Did he he think that was weird? A hundred percent. And every time he wanted to talk about it, I'd be like, shut up like do not talk to me about that honestly like I was such a bitch um but so I remember he used to say like oh you know when we get to our six-month anniversary do you should we go out for dinner and I was like no like (laughs) and like I don't he knew what was going on but I think he was just like you know you're you're young in love aren't you and he just yeah he was amazing to be fair like you know he was like a best friend to me as well so when um yeah we you know we were driving home from the appointment and she had basically confirmed that if if I refused treatment then I'd have to be hospitalized and you know force fed through this tube so I'm thinking shit like I'm actually gonna have to do what they're saying um because I was under 18 as well I was just 17 which is purposely why my mum took me at that age because she still had control over what you know that's very smart of your mom to be there like that it was two months before my 18th birthday and the specialist had literally said to her you need to get this under control now otherwise she will be able to refuse treatment yeah and then in order to force someone into treatment like to section them is really Mm -hmm. difficult um you get the courts involved and things and it can be very messy for families um which just makes the situation more difficult um okay so then how did you where did you so you went into inpatient treatment at that point 
yeah well on the journey home I think my mum broke the silence and I basically just started shouting and I was like I promise you I'll eat I was like I'll recover on my own I know I can do it I was like I'm just choosing not to eat like I promise I'll do it and she was like you know you know you are going in and this was on the Wednesday and I was booked to go in on the Monday um and I just didn't think it was going to happen and I literally remember I don't I think I ate an apple in between that time from the Wednesday to the Monday because I was like I need to you know utilize the time that I have wow and I remember weighing myself the morning before we left and it was just like the lowest number I'd ever seen and I just remember thinking okay Sophie you did it you're gonna have to go and put it all back on now um and my parents packed up my whole room like they put my duvet and everything in the car packed clothes for me um and even driving there I was like is this happening like it was just such a surreal experience and my boyfriend actually came with us to drop me off um and walked into the it was actually it was a very different inpatient experience to I think a lot of people will know I wasn't in a hospital it was an actual clinic that I was in for four months and so I was in a house with seven other girls I think at the time and one guy that came in um and I just remember walking in and I would like arms crossed like didn't want to shake anyone's hand like didn't want to know kind of thing all the girls like greeted me at the door and they were so sweet they were like hi like how are you you know told me their names and I literally like wouldn't even talk to them wouldn't even look at them um and I genuinely thought that I would go in and they'd be like okay so like what do you want to eat should we start you off with an apple and then like you can have a salad for dinner I don't know what I was thinking but I literally <laughs> got there and they were like oh okay it's like fish pie and mashed potato for lunch and I was yeah, like whoa <laughs> and did they give you the option of like if you don't eat it then you have to have this milkshake and you have to yeah. get it down mm-hmm. the one that tastes like cake batter <laughs> yeah was it like unsure? Um, yeah uh actually or I don't like, know because they served everything to the table so the, we didn't see any brands or like you know what anything labels was or things yeah of course. um so yeah I sat down at the table with all the other girls and I remember they brought out um the lunch and they did it differently so we'd have like a lighter dinner and your main meal at lunch and then you'd have like a dessert with lunch as well so they brought out this lunch which was like fish pie and again like I was the fussiest eater ever so I, I, I don't think I'd even eaten fish at the time um and everyone just started eating really casually. And I was like, guys, like, what are you doing? I was like, are we not in this together? <laughs> like, oh, I was no. actually just so shocked. I was like, why is everyone so willingly eating? Literally took their plates away and then brought dessert out. And they all started eating dessert. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what is everyone doing? Like, you know, I thought we were in this together kind of thing. Um, so they all were excused. They were like, everyone can leave the table apart from Sophie. And that it was my first meal there and I obviously just had a breakdown. My parents were somewhere else in the house having a chat with the clinicians and I was just screaming my head off. And I was like, ask my mum, like, I don't even like fish pie, like literally going crazy at them. They wouldn't let me out of the room and they were like, at the very least, you have to drink this drink. So I drank it and it actually tasted quite nice, which I hated to admit because I was like, oh my God, it tastes like so sweet and sugary and actually tastes quite good. So I had that, went downstairs. My mum had like laid my duvet out and like put my room together. And they were like, okay, like we're going to leave now. And my mum was crying. And I was like, why are you crying? Like you're the ones leaving me here. Like I'm the one on my own. And like, I think my dad was tearing off as well. It was literally like such an awful day. And looking back, it was like 
50 times worse for them than it was for me because I wasn't even in a you know sane headspace and they were having to drop their 17 year old daughter off in this house with a bunch of strangers and you know leave me there for the next four months and so yeah that was a horrendous day. So it's interesting that you just you surrendered to that drink and you just you had it because was it because you knew you had to? I don't know to be honest yeah I think so because like they they literally they they honestly stood in front of the door like I was not going anywhere until I got something inside of me um and then I remember thinking that night when I went to bed and I apologized to all the girls they all came to say hi again they were like I know it's scary but like if you need anything we're here um so I was like I'm really sorry that I was moody when I turned up kind of thing and I kind of like little devil voice came to play in my head and was like you need to play the game or you're not going to get out of here so just pretend that you know you're going to do this and I remember ringing my mum they took our mobiles away from us when we had a little pay phone and I rang my mum and I hope that that was the first night I'd eaten baked beans in my life because I didn't like foods with sauces that's how fussy I was so I tried baked beans and I liked them I remember ringing my mum being like I've just had baked beans and they were really nice and and she was like oh wow that's amazing I was like I know like yeah I'm eating like literally like look at me but the whole time in my head I was like you're just playing a game you'll lose the weight as soon as you get out of here um and somewhere That's along the interesting. Line. So you just, every time they put food in front of you, you were like, okay, just eat it, play the game. If you gain weight, that's fine. Because when you get out, you'll just put it back, like get it back down. Is that where your headspace was? Yeah. So we'd eat six times a day, three main, three main meals, three snacks. And then... Uh, so you weren't afraid of gaining the weight back because you knew once you did, you could lose it again? Um. It definitely wasn't comfortable. It was a horrendous experience. And, you know, we'd have therapy sessions where I'd, like, cry because I couldn't stand looking at my tummy. Um, but when I look back at that experience, I don't think, oh, my God, it was it was so horrendous. It was so horrible because it literally saved my life. Of course. And it was such a huge thing for me to do at that age. And I met so many amazing people. And I think I became more confident because I was living away from home with you know, a bunch of strangers who, who became like, like family to me um, and I, I tried so many more foods so I opened up my food world so much more and I actually learned oh okay you know there are other foods I can eat apart from bread and chips um, but when I look back on that experience like the first thing that comes into my mind is that must have been so difficult for my mom and dad yeah it's very weird that you have that like it it was your journey but you don't even view it as like oh my god that was like such a bad time for me like uh, what impact did it have on mom and dad yeah it was actually it was quite it was actually a really positive experience because like I said it saved my life and it was just such a unique experience as well and I'm so appreciative of the fact that I didn't have to be in hospital on a tube as well yeah of course um yeah, that's amazing. And it's, it's like, the whole story is just amazing. And it's incredibly brave for you to share now. Um, and I find just understanding where your headspace was at. I just find it so interesting. Like mm. I said before, like knowing you. Yeah. Now to hear it was almost this kind of side like of your mani- life. Yeah, it was almost like manipulative. Like it really was this devil voice playing in my head. Like, it was like me against everyone like everyone was trying to ruin my life and ruin what I was trying to do and ruin what I was trying to achieve 
and it wasn't easy don't get me wrong like the whole if I really was to delve deep and go back into what the experience was like it was really tough there were many oh, breakdowns you know sometimes bless my brothers I think they were 11 at the time so we couldn't they couldn't really comprehend what was going on and they'd come to see me and sometimes I wouldn't even look at them I didn't want to see anyone I didn't want to talk to anyone I just think that must have been so difficult for them to all deal with um but the more weight I gained the more clear my head became again I was just gonna ask you um Mm -hmm. at what point did your thoughts turn um because we know that as you weight restore and as you build up body fat those hormones have a big impact on your brain and your cognition and you start to refeed your brain and then you can you can understand things a bit better and you have a clear view of what things have happened and where you need to go next so was it in those months when you were eating the food did it switch from just play the game to I'm actually feeling better yeah 100% and I remember coming home at Christmas because we were allowed to come home for Christmas first thing I did was run up and weigh myself because we weren't allowed to weigh ourselves there and I'd put on a stone which so was quite a lot rid of your scale or did you hide it? <laughs> no, it was just in my mum and dad's bathroom. I think they used to use it. So, and they did. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'd put on a stone, which was only in six weeks, and I felt, you know, it, that was a lot for me, a, a stone in six weeks. So I was like, fuck's sake. But I somehow managed to tell. I was actually still under the weight that I had been when I first started the weight loss journey. So I kind of managed to enjoy Christmas. I stuck to my food plan. um, And I originally said to my parents, I think I'm recovered. Like, I don't need to go back again in January. And they were like, no, you're going back. Um, So I went back and I was just like, I just have to get through this journey. And I still had in my head when I get out of here, I will lose some weight, but not I'm not going back to how I did before. So in that time, I did decide that I was never, ever going to get as thin as I did before so in that time you like through the therapy sessions you were have in you know the inpatient you were able to see what how bad it was mm. and we'd have kind of pay, like ex-patients come back and say hi and I'd be like I want to be one of those people like having actually recovered and you know telling my story and I remember being one of the because thera- the, we'd have um, single sessions and then group sessions. And I remember one lady, I think she was in her 40s or something, and she said something really awful, like, you know, I'm still just waiting to die. And I just thought, Jesus Christ, like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to get to that age and just, you know, be waiting for my body to like be so thin that it literally can't live and function anymore. So being in there did really help. And like I said, seeing ex-patients come back who were actually, you know, living their lives and having a nice time and not just thinking about food all day, every day. I was like, I do want to get there. But when I left, they told me my weight when I went in and then the weight that I was leaving at, which I don't know if it was a good idea. I was just going to say, one of my questions (laughs) at the end is like having gone through that experience, like were there things that you think they should change? But we can talk about that after. Um, so yeah they told me this weight that I was leaving at and I was like fuck's sake like really don't like the sound of that so I decided I would just lose like a few kilos and to be fair to myself I did 
um, and I didn't ever go fully back but I was like very much in the headspace how can I have a reasonably slim body whilst nourishing myself and staying healthy and I, I referenced that in Forking Wellness in my about me section as well is that I wanted to find that balance of staying thin and being healthy at the same time something I think a lot of people want who do have a disordered relationship with food and it doesn't yeah. exist yeah I think that when a lot of people recover it's it is for health because they understand the damage that they were doing for their body. So they have this like newfound appreciation for health and wellness. Mm -hmm. But I think that that is kind of where it turns maybe a bit orthorexic or you're still trying to exert that control. And, you know, I, I, I'm in two minds as well about like having people tell the weight when you leave, because on one hand, I don't know if it's helpful for the individual, but on the Mm -hmm. other hand, it shouldn't be triggering. Yeah. So I I understand both sides and I don't actually think there's a right answer. And I think everyone is so unique and some people, they need to hear that number so they know what health is for them. And some people never need to know their number again. So I think, I think all of this is so interesting because you can have such a similar journey, but experiences are still so different and the mindset is still so different. Um, So I'm definitely like from a dietitian's point of view, like, in two minds and I think I don't think there's a clear in my opinion maybe people with more experience and impatient feel differently but I think it can be really helpful for some and to normalize that number is so important but Mm -hmm. then to others depending on where they are in their recovery it can be really triggering yeah completely and I I think shortly after that just stopped weighing myself forever like honestly (laughs) what was that was how did you come to that decision was just like I'm not doing this to myself anymore like yeah I think so I came out um I was discharged in March and I think it was difficult because when you finish recovery or whatever that looks like for you you're not always recovered you know you don't just restore yeah so I was still and I was still having weekly check-ins with a therapist at that point as well and then in September I think it was I actually felt like I started to slip so I went back into the clinic for two weeks as a day patient I said to my mom and dad like I think I'm moving backwards I think I need some help again so I went back for two weeks just to get my routine with food back Um, and that helped and then I left after two weeks Um, and I went and got a job like a proper job nine to five Um, and I remember driving there I was driving back one day and it was like getting dark early and I was like is this my life now like I'm just an office job girl which is totally fine for anyone that's happy in an office nine to five job but I was like I just don't think this is what I want out of life and it was really hard because I had no qualifications I had to leave my um leave college before I graduated because I was obviously uh, submitted to inpatient treatment and so I had nothing I was like what the hell do I do from here so I literally went home that night and I said to my mum I was like I think I want to go back and get a degree and she was like oh my god like geez didn't expect that um so I did that's when I decided to do my foundation in psychology and then I was offered an academic scholarship to do the degree and that and then I was like oh like I'm actually good at something else like I actually can do more in life than just lose weight um yeah and that's where that must have been such a great kind of like moment for you mentally it was and it was still even when I was doing the whole of my psychology degree 
I was still finding myself I was still trying to work out how I could be this best version of myself but at least I was working on it in the right direction and not going back into like that kind of no you need to be really thin kind of thing um and I'm like don't get me wrong my weight was still something that was important to me at the time but like I said I wasn't weighing myself anymore I was trying really hard to nourish myself mentally and physically and yeah it was really I, I just made this decision I was like, I'm just not going back to that life and I think being in that inpatient environment really made me see what I didn't want my life to end up like because there were the oldest person in there was 65 and she'd had an eating disorder since her 30s and I was like that is not going to be me yeah so at the same time that it was helpful it was or the same time that it was helpful yet scary and hard it was empowering yeah at the same time that must have been like a rush of a combination of emotions that you'd be hard to find anywhere else in life I think definitely Uh, um that's so interesting so then you you went and got your psychology degree and then you we met in your master in our masters um yeah in eating disorders did you always know that you were going to take that route no, I, I specialised in, well, I say specialised, I focused my research in psychology and eating disorders. I remember meeting this incredible eating disorder researcher called Amy, and she was my mentor. And I, I actually told her everything as well, not in the depths that I've gone into in this episode. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, like I said, I did my research on eating disorders, and she really kind of stood behind me, and she pushed to get the paper published and things like that. Um and then um, in the summer of my second year, we took a trip to America as a family. And I'd always like been obsessed with the West Coast of America, even though I hadn't been. It was just like a dream of mine to get over there. Um, and on that trip, and when I, my mom and dad said, you know, should we do a road trip down the West Coast of America? I was like, oh, my God, dream come true. So I was still probably in that orthorexia stage. Um, but I actually wasn't eating breakfast at the time. It was just one of those. I was like, it's one less meal a day. It's easy to cut out. I think I might have had a smoothie some days. But we were in this caravan together for two weeks, just traveling. And I don't know if my mum did it deliberately or if it just that was the way it was. But it did work. And she would prepare like a buffet style breakfast every morning of like fresh fruit, yogurt, nuts, all this kind of nourishing stuff that you could put together. And I just started eating. And from that moment onwards. I was like, I'm going to start eating breakfast every day. Like, this is the right way to start the day. You know, sitting with your family, having nice food, giving yourself energy you need to go and seize the day. So that was That's like amazing. a real turning point, the America trip. That's amazing. It sounds like your parents played such an integral role in your recovery. Yeah, my dad, probably even now, if you'd asked him, will say he didn't really understand it or he doesn't really understand it. But he's literally nothing but supportive. You know, he, um, I have no idea how much that treatment was, but he, I'm pretty sure he took out loans to pay for it. Um, you know, they've always been so, so supportive. My mum has always tried to make the right decisions in terms of supporting my recovery. But it's so hard because even if my, if I had a child that suffered with an eating disorder, I don't think I would necessarily know how to handle it. It and is that's so even hard. With the experience that I have. I think it's like blinded love as well. Like mm-hmm. when you when you love someone and you know they're making wrong decisions, it's so hard because you want what's best for them and you want them to be happy. And I think it takes so much strength to be like, no, I'm putting my foot down. Like, mm-hmm. stop with the bullshit. Like, 
let's go sort this. Yeah, tough love. (laughs) But I think that for a parent, it's so sad and it's so hard. And I can't imagine being there. But I think it took so much strength from your parents to to help you. And like you said before, they saved your life. Yeah, they did. They honestly did. And I actually, we were on holiday a few years later, and I think I'd had a bit to drink, but I actually went up to them and apologized for everything. And I said, thank you so much for putting me in that treatment. You know, I never thought I'd thank you for it, but I, I do really appreciate it. So oh, I've, had, I've had conversations with them since because, you know, once I felt more sane again, you know, you do feel guilty for what you put them through because as, as hard as it is to suffer with an eating disorder in your own head, you are honestly hurting everyone that you love. Yeah, I think it's it's that feeling of like helplessness mm-hmm. for everyone. Yeah. And that's, yeah, and it, it, it gets frustrating for those who want to help. Yeah, completely. So now, where are you at mentally? You know, you're a registered nutritionist. You specialize (laughs) in intuitive eating. Like, what a journey that you've had. I think it's so, so, so inspiring to so many. And I think so many people listening will understand and appreciate what you've accomplished and where you've gotten to. Um, And, you know, you're pregnant. Like, your body is well enough to house and grow a child which in my mind is one of like the pinnacle signs of health is Completely. that you know when did you get your period back out of uh or were you on the pill that you never really lost it or um no I, I did lose it um I think I lost it for about eight months and then it came back um and it it I've been on and off the pill since um I think 19 up until uh, May this year but I always took kind of like year-long breaks and it's, it's always come back so yeah I, I wasn't I didn't suffer too badly with amenorrhea but um yeah I think I just especially when you when I went to America and I you know it did help but I don't necessarily know if this is a good thing they're very very like health conscious on the west coast everything's like you know drink this juice and you'll glow and this smoothie is amazing and I feel like you're either really really healthy there or you're really really unhealthy like there's just two extremes whereas I feel like the UK is actually weirdly more balanced um but I just kind of like explored all these new ways to like get nutrients into your body when I was in America and but I remember saying to my mum because I've you know I used to be really open with my mum about it and I remember saying like you know I don't care about the calories and food like if you told me to eat this chocolate cake because it had like loads of nutrients in it I would and like I wouldn't care how many calories was in it I really did just think I just want to be healthy and I don't care what my weight says alongside that and I'm not saying that like the messages in America and juicing and smoothies are the way forward I'm just saying that was kind of like a trigger to make me think about food differently because my food world was literally so small like I said it was literally like plain chicken and chips type of foods um so I started eating more plant foods and actually feeling good and you know becoming more aware and educated of how I could nourish myself and food became fun and social and it was it gave me so much energy and I was like actually I really love the way this feels and it's actually so nice that I can just go out with my family and have a pizza and just be okay about it like that was also a huge deal for me like going out for a pizza um and yeah, so and then the three summers in a row, my sister and I went out to America and spent three months there at a time. And I just loved being out in the sun. And we, we, we're, we're massive foodies now as well, like me and my sister, like you probably actually wouldn't believe how much we ate whilst we were out there. 
I just remember feeling like I can actually eat X amount of food and feel great and look great whatever yeah. you know that looks like for different people but because I felt so amazing you know my hair looked silky again and my skin was good and just things like that that had been taken away from me when I was so underweight I felt like I could now really love myself again I love that I love that that's so sweet and now like when you view food I know that you in also like intuitive eating like nourishing your body is such an important thing but now do you view, view food any differently or do you view your body any differently or like are there any days that are harder than others are there, are there any things that creep back in do you have certain coping strategies that you've built up over the years that you know when and how to execute them does that make sense yeah I think um I will I, and I say this to my clients now as well that voice that dictates that horrible voice that's trying to dictate what you can and can't eat and how you should and shouldn't look the way I thought my eating disorder was I fought that voice religiously every single day sometimes all day every day and it sounds and it was so exhausting and some days you're like oh I'll just listen to it but honestly if you start listening to it it will win again you have to be on it and it is exhausting but that's the only way you're going to fight it you have to keep fighting back that voice and being like no that is not right that's not what I know that's not what's going to make me healthy that's not what's good for me and you have to keep having those conversations and over time it does get easier and that voice gets quieter and I would say like I'm 99.9% recovered because I don't know if anyone can go through something like that and fully be like 100% yeah no issues with food like of course I've looked in the mirror since then and been like oh my tummy looks a bit big today like or you know but look I at think a photo everyone has those experiences even without the journey that you've been on like I think that's kind of yeah just part of being a person and I'm not going to say part of being a woman because I think men experience it as well yeah. but I think that we're always and we like we're always going through journeys and you know looking at ourselves and thinking oh that could be better or I need to fix that but it's, it's the tools that we have to be able to recognize oh that's a negative thought how can I turn that into a positive or mm-hmm. you know it's just a thought it's not truth so you know I'd be lying if I said I never looked in the mirror and I was like that fucking sucks mm-hmm. but you know I know that that is going to that thought is going to disappear tomorrow yeah and what I will do as well is like I I look in the mirror and I'm like you look really great (laughs) you know yeah like and and I genuinely believe that like I'm not ashamed to say that I you know I do love my body and I respect my body so I can look in the mirror now and say I'm not afraid to say yeah you look good today yeah so that's what I encourage you know my clients to do as well sometimes even if you're not feeling it it's better than looking you're not gaining anything from looking in the mirror and being like oh my god you look awful yeah it's not worth it there is that research um if you say something and you you say it enough enough start to believe it so Mm -hmm. and I mean it can work in the wrong way as well like we can look yeah completely and maybe that's how certain thoughts get you know internalized in the other direction but you know if you force yourself to smile so many times like it becomes a real smile exactly so Um, yeah I think those positive affirmations and that positive self-talk is so important yeah and I I actually like had a little not breakdown at all it wasn't a breakdown but I said to Ash I, I saw a photo of myself from like a few months ago in the summer and like 
you know my abs are out and I you know my boobs are a lot smaller than they are now and I said to Ash like oh like my tummy and my boobs look so different there not in a way where I was like I want to go back there I was just kind of pointing it out and Ash was like don't even bother like doing that anymore he was like you were like wanting to get pregnant at that point so and I was like in straight like split second I was like yeah like I'm literally so grateful to be bigger at the moment because you know I'm growing a baby so it wasn't to the point where I was like oh my god like I'm finding this pregnancy really difficult you know I'm putting on weight it wasn't that at all it was just like that little not comparison but that little take a look back at my what my body used to look like even just a few months ago but again I I think that's normal (laughs) I was just gonna say I think that women and I can't speak for pregnant women because I've never been pregnant, <laughs> but I I feel as though that is a common thought, but maybe for you to have that thought, it is kind of taken a bit differently because, you mm. know, the, the ones around you are a bit more protective and, you know, don't yeah. go there, Sophie. Yeah, but I think exactly. that, like, if anyone else who never struggled with the relationship with food or body said, oh my God, remember six months ago when I wasn't pregnant and look at my body, like that wouldn't be interpreted the same maybe which you know is not always fair to you but it it comes out of a place of like love and but I understand it's like if you were to say that for someone who never struggled like even though it's the same sentence and it comes from the same place it's it is interpreted differently um but yeah I think that's probably a very normal statement for people to say and how are you finding the weight gain process now um I'm gonna be super honest I've gained very little weight I'm almost 17 weeks and my the shape of my tummy is definitely different but um weight wise I don't think I've put on that much which is so normal yeah yeah like I'm literally I'm eating like I normally I think I I literally survived on carbs in the first trimester but now that I'm like feeling better I'm eating pretty much what I would have done before maybe a bit more on some days um but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling I actually feel better now than I did in the first trimester because I think I was really bloated in the first trimester. And I was like, oh, my God, like, am I showing already? Like my diet's off and like I'm so out of tune with everything. But now I'm like really feeling it and I'm like really embracing. Like I look I'm doing like progress shots every week and I definitely look different from like 10 weeks to 16 weeks. But not that not in the sense anyone would know I was pregnant, but just for me to kind of look at and I I actually like smile looking at them because I'm like look at like my tummy changing yeah and it's 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 such an amazing thing to think you're you know growing your baby I mean it's oh, like, like a, it's it's insane it's surreal like, I'm just so grateful and I know that if at some point in the pregnancy I do have a bit of a wobble and I'm like oh god like I look really big or whatever all I'm gonna do is just quickly counter out that thought with you you were lucky enough to get pregnant you've got a baby living inside of you and I know that that's just gonna straight away get rid of any negative thoughts yeah I love that the gratitude is so important and being able to practice that is immensely important I feel like um post-pregnancy it would be interesting to do kind of a interesting follow-up like once you have the baby Mm, I know that yeah what came up (laughs) Yeah. Um, But do you have any kind of advice or takeaway messages um, to anyone listening who might be struggling or knows someone that's struggling? Um, If you are struggling, I really hope this has encouraged you to pursue recovery. I promise you it's worth it. 
it's you are it sounds extreme and harsh maybe but you're wasting your life if you're living with an eating disorder you really are because you can't live with one you're not living you're trapped inside this awful headspace that's stopping you from having any fun and living your life um so please 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 I know it's hard I know it's a long journey like I said even when I left my recovery journey I I still had to work on myself I still had to you know do self-development work and, and recover more um so yeah keep going if you are recovering please ask for help please talk to your parents talk to your friends they, they might not understand you but they they won't judge you and I think that's a big fear that a lot of people have just because they don't understand doesn't mean they're judging you all they want is the best view if they truly love you so please confide in someone um and if you know someone that's struggling just be there for them encourage them to get help you know support them try and understand them um and yeah like I said it's just so you are wasting your life if you're living with an eating disorder so please try and seek help I love that and we will be sure to link um the website to beat which is yes. a eating disorder charity um in the show notes so if anyone wants to check out any resources or pass them along to someone else who may need them you can definitely find them there yeah there's some amazing um dietitians eating disorder dietitians on instagram as well that i will include in the show notes because they're really useful pages as well yeah i mean i feel like we could have had this conversation for hours and there's so many things that you know we could talk about it the role of social media the role like yeah there's just so many other <laughs> so many different realms yeah and i'm really glad that we kind of focused on your journey and your experience from you know 15 to now and how things have come so full circle for you and I'm so proud of you as a friend um (laughs) you your your story is amazing and inspiring and um yeah I just love you and I'm proud of you well I really appreciate you having this chat with me because you know I decided to share it and you know you said let's do it together and I can't think of anyone I'd rather sit down with and do it with so thank you for being my best friend amazing um i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and let us know what else you want to hear um any follow-up questions um please let sophie know yeah thanks for listening guys thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the forking wellness podcast as always please rate review and subscribe And share with your friends if you love this episode. It really does help us get seen in the chart. You can now also order our Forking Wellness book anywhere books are sold. Order it on Amazon Prime for next day delivery. And Barnes & Noble in America. And if you love the book, we would so appreciate a review on Amazon. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and we really hope you enjoy it. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.